Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of the Gregorich Ministries podcast. And I'm so excited today. We have Jenny Shepard and Timo Anzalone joining us today. Jenny's in Texas. Timo's obviously in Spain. And guys, both of you have been frequent guests with us, but we've never had you on together. So this is really going to be awesome to have you both on at the same time. Yeah, it's so good to be back and so good to be on with Jenny for the first time. Yeah. And so all of us, we have common links. We were all at Rama, maybe at different times, but we've had, uh, you know, shared experiences in prayer school and just great times in the Lord. Um, And so we're excited to be able to talk to you guys as a full team today. And, you know, all of us, we've been talking, you know, when we come on these podcasts, it's not just something that we make up right off the bat. We're not just uh, coming up with a new topic right when we join. We, we are prayerful about it. We actually think about what does God want to share with the people that are listening, all of you that are listening. And so we've had a chance to talk to Jenny and Timo some beforehand, but I really wanted to give Jenny the opportunity to kind of lead us off. And then me and Timo are going to fall behind and undergird everything that that she's going to bring today. Yeah, awesome. So glad to be here. Uh, excited because I've watched you guys as well in other podcasts and just love the anointing and how, you know, you flow together. So I'm excited about what yeah. God's going to do today. Um, but just what's been on my heart um, is, you know, even at, at our church right now, I'm uh, heading up our children's department and the Lord just, uh, you know, he kind of impressed on me. He said, you know, I'm looking around and I'm seeing our youth and uh, as they get older and how, you know, even if they're brought up in church their whole lives, it seems like as a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them, when they get to be 18 or, you know, a little older, they just, they don't go to church anymore and they don't really have a relationship with the Lord. And so I started asking the Lord, you know, why is that? You know, what, what will cause their faith to last or, you know, and he started showing me even myself as a kid, he showed me how I watched my mom and dad, their relationship with the Lord was an open book. They didn't go in their room and hide and pray. My mom was washing the dishes and cleaning the house and always praying and her relationship was exposed before us. And that was normal. You know, it was normal to us. My dad, he'd be driving and he's doing this, you know, and we're looking at him like he's a little weird, but <laughs> he was talking to God, you know, yeah. and it brought me to, to that song by Brandon Lake, talking to Jesus. You know, I don't, have you ever heard that song? Yes. Yes. Song. I love it. I mean, and he, you know, he says, it's not a religion, you know, it's more like a friendship. He said, just talk to your father like you are his kid. You know, and, and that's what it's about. It's not about religion. It's taking religion out of it. The do's and the don'ts and while, you know, while holy living is part of it. And yes, we are supposed to do that. That's going to birth out of that relationship. You know, it's going to be a response because the, you're so close because there's yeah. that closeness between you and the Lord because there's a relationship. But, you know, even in that, the, the thing that causes causes you to be able to be close is always going to be trust, understanding yeah. mm-hmm. that he loves us, you know, and knowing yeah. his love. Um, I like how Ephesians 3.19 says, and to know 
the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, it's a knowing. And that word know means to be intimate with, you know, like a man and a woman when they're married, that intimacy so close. You know, another scripture tells us that, um, you know, he's closer than a brother. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have sisters and we are close. We grew up, we're not like sisters who, who didn't, you know, who don't like each other. We are close. I mean, we talk, we we're in a group text together. We tell each other, you know, every, all kinds of stuff, but there are still things that are very personal to me Mm -hmm. that even they don't know, you know, Mm -hmm. but God knows I'm talking yeah. to him about it all day, every day. I'm talking to him. He Why? Because he knows us. He's in us. He's with us always, continually. And if we will live out of that place, I believe that's what will keep our kids and us, our, our relatives and our relation, even us in our relationship with the Lord. It will keep us in that place of continually, you know, walking with him. Yeah. And I, I love you and what you said that as a kid, you, you had that example that it was represented through your parents that you saw something. And one thing that I've purposed in my heart is I want to be that to everybody else. I want to be that for the next generation, oh. for people that are watching, people that, I, that are watching that maybe I don't even recognize are watching, being that open book and not having anything to hide and not being living in the darkness when I've already been translated from that kingdom into the kingdom of light. And so being vulnerable with, it starts, you know, really with our relationship with God, God, I have nothing to hide from you. There's nothing that I've done or that I've said or anything that I will do that you don't already know. And so that is going to leave me open to you. And I I love that. But Tima, you actually have experience, you know, working with youth as well. And so you have a a lot of opportunities to see the next generation coming up and maybe just the importance of giving, being that example for people and, and demonstrating that as well. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, my, my wife and I are youth leaders here in a, in a church in Spain. And, and, and I've also been a youth leader in, in Switzerland and have worked with, with youth for a long time now. And, uh, and it's one of the things that I love the most. And uh, when you talked about example, this is something that youth are so drawn to. They, they love your messages. They love the time you spent with them. But what they really want to see is is this relationship that you have with God real to you? Mm -hmm. Do you have any stories to back up what you're saying? Have you experienced this on a day-to-day basis? How has this changed the way you live, the way you talk? Uh, You know, what fruit is it actually Mm -hmm. bearing in your life? And so when we're talking about what Jenny was talking about, how, how having this open relationship with God, this public, you know, relationship with God, this continual relationship with God, uh, when it comes to youth, I, I want them to know that uh, having a relationship with God uh, is not something just for Sunday. It's not yeah. just something, you know, on Wednesday night when we're having our youth meeting, but it, it's supposed to be this place of abiding in Jesus. Jesus says in John chapter 15, you know, if you abide in me and I abide in you, my words abide in you, then you can ask anything you want and it shall be given to you. You know, this continual place of abiding, of resting, of, of making our Lord our home, you know, and knowing that he's made us his home. 
Yeah. Right. So I think it was a few weeks ago, actually, I was talking about this to, to our youth group. And I was talking about how we're supposed to be connected all the time. Yeah. There's this, this idea of a never ending connection between the father and us. Uh, this, this idea of anytime, anywhere being able to stop and pray, stop and listen, stop and say, what are you saying? What are you doing? And so, so again, this, this idea of living that out for youth is so important. Yeah. Um, you know, your words matter to them for sure, but they're going to see like, how are you living? I'll never forget this. A few years ago, I came to this, the church that I'm now a youth leader in it. At the time, I was simply visiting. I was actually visiting my my now wife, and we were dating long distance. I went to church, and and all of a sudden they they asked me, "Hey, could you pray?" Uh, you know, we we had this prayer meeting, and all of a sudden they're asking me. I, I don't speak Spanish yet, and so they're like, "Can you pray in Italian?" So I'm praying in Italian, and this young guy uh, comes comes up to my my girlfriend at the time that now is my wife and he goes up to her and he tells tells her you know it's so funny i didn't understand a word of what he said but he sounded like he had an intimate relationship with god <laughs> and it it marked me because i realized he he didn't even understand what i was saying but he was watching he was wanted to see the example that i was setting forth and so I, I, I'm just a hundred percent with you. We've got to model this to the next generation. Yeah. And one thing I was just at a, a youth conference in, in Orlando with Raymond Brazil, shout out to Raymond Brazil. We love you guys. And uh, when I was down there, the message that God had me speak was not to be a chameleon and that's not mm. to change my skin, not to change the way that I look based on where I'm at. It's so easy when you're at school to act a certain way to fit in. It's so easy to change the way that you act in front of your parents or, or whoever. When you go to church, you put on a different mask. I don't want to live that way because it is exhausting. I don't know about you, but I grew up doing that my whole life, putting on a different mask whenever I needed to. And it was so exhausting. And just to live into this vulnerability that I'm connected with God, I have intimacy with all, him all the time. I am accepted by him as who I am, my personality, the way I smile, my eyes, everything that I am, he enjoys. And so I don't have to prove anything to other people. And that's something that I think is tremendous to kind of impart to the next generation is who you are doesn't have to be proved to anybody else to be accepted. It's already been accepted by God, the father. And it's, it goes back to that intimacy. And Jenny, you were talking about it, that relationship, not being a religion, but it being a true and intimate relationship with Jesus and that friendship. And I would like you to kind of just expound on that a little bit more. Yeah. Well, you know, I really wanted to share, um, and I know this is one of your favorite scripture texts, but um, I wanted to read Psalms 139. Yeah. Um, verse five says, you hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too powerful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? 
we can't run. We can run as far as to the east is from the west and we can go and we can try to hide from him, but we cannot because he is there. Yeah. He's, he's closer than a brother. What is, I mean, that's, that doesn't even really describe how close he is because, you know, I like in Romans where it says the word, which is Christ is near you. It's in your heart. He's in us. Yeah. He's in us. He's so close that you can't separate us from him, you know? And so how could we run? We can't know where matter where we go. He's still there. He's yeah. always faithful, even when we are not. And hmm. so he says, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. How many of us can say <laughs> we've made our bed in hell at times, yeah. but he was there, you know, yeah. and he came down into that hell and into that pit where I was. And he reached out a loving hand and he pulled me up and he said, let's go. You don't have to stay here. He never left. He was right there. He, even when I went into that hell, he didn't leave me. He went into it with me, you know, hmm. because that's his faithfulness. When everybody leaves, when there's nobody left, when everybody gives up on you because they feel like you're a failure and you failed them this time and that time and again and again, guess what? He's still right there saying, come on, I'm here. I can help you, you know? That's so good. I was just thinking, you know, I love that. Even the darkness was light to him. And it always draws me back to even when I was in my most darkest place, when I was in the darkness of my thoughts and the darkness of deception or just the darkness of thinking about myself, he still saw me and he still found a way to get to me. So darkness is the complete opposite of God. God is light. That's who he is. That's all that he is. And so when I was as far away as I could be, he still found a way not only to find me, but he actively pursued me. Mm. It, it was a desire in his heart. Okay, that, that guy, Josh, he's in darkness. I'm going to find a way to get to him. And so now that I've been translated from that kingdom of darkness, and now that I'm in the light, how much more confident now I can be that I'm walking hand in hand with him? Yes. If I was so far away from him and he still actively pursued me, now that I've said yes to him and I'm in his kingdom and I'm his child, how much yeah. more now is he walking hand in hand with me and going to lead me and guide me every step of the way? And so what that does is that takes me out of a fear of punishment. Right. Listen, I was already gone. I was already lost. I've been found now. So now I'm not afraid anymore. And I'm not afraid of making a mistake. But I'm also not actively on my own behalf looking to go back to that darkness. I'm not trying to see what I can get away with. Mm. I'm not trying to see how much sin I can do and not go to hell anymore. I've been brought from that place. I'm in freedom now. And so Mm. with that freedom, now I want to walk in it. Now I want to enjoy that communion and that fellowship that has been provided with the light that has been brought into my life. What just really impacts me from this, this idea here is in verse 11, you know, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. You know, God is not afraid of the dark. Yeah. <laughs> he is the light of the world and he's not afraid of the dark and he's not afraid of any darkness we are facing. You know, maybe, maybe it's it's the enemy. It's our own thoughts. It's things that have been done to us. He's not afraid of it. 
And, and he's coming in the midst of our darkness to shine the light. And, and like you said, Josh, you know, in my darkest of darkness, he never stopped pursuing me. He never stopped looking for me. You know, when we look at Luke 15, you have the, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and you have the lost son. And even though they're lost and they're in darkness, so to speak, spiritually, they still have value in the eyes of God. And and, and that's just the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of the gospel is this, is that Jesus, the light of the world, comes into this dark world. He's not afraid of it. He gets dirty with sinners. He eats with them. He talks to them. He has communion with them. And, And he's saying, here I am. I'm the light. Come to me. Right. And, yeah. and I just wonder what 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 would happen if we would have the same attitude and posture, if we would become the friends of sinners and say, I'm, I'm not afraid of the dark. I'm going to go into the darkness. I'm going to go straight into it. Why? Because the darkness is light to God. There's nothing to be afraid of. We're, we're there with, with such light that can illuminate even the darkest and darkest of places. And, and um, yeah, so I'm getting really excited here, yeah, but I <laughs> I'm Italian for those of you who don't know, um, but really uh, what a God we serve. Yeah. You know, religion and coming back to what you were saying, Jenny, in the beginning, religion is, a, is all about us trying to get out of the darkness, out of our own strength, you know, and trying to become a bit more light and, you know, trying to become better day by day and and relationship with God or the gospel is the total opposite. It's about light coming and finding you in the midst of darkness and transforming you from darkness into light. Right. And what if we adopted that same posture and, and, and just, went out with this idea of, okay, God, you are light and I am in you and I'm going into this world of darkness. You know, you were talking about in Luke and about there still being value and how the law still had that value. It even helped me so much to know that even when, for me to first be lost, I first had to belong. That's right. I couldn't be lost if I first didn't belong somewhere. And so I already belonged into this kingdom with the father I was lost. I fell away. I was in sin. I was in darkness, but I didn't change the fact that I still belong to him. Yeah. He actively made sure that I knew that, Hey, you know, I accept you and I love you. And if you say yes to me, I'm not going to just fill a hole in your heart because so many times people think like, Oh, I have a hole in my heart and I fill it with, with a relationship or I fill it with drugs or I fill it with attention from people. But the reality mm. is, is God is not just a little hole in your heart that he filled. He gave you a new heart that never, mm. that was never broken. Mm. That never had a hole that mm. would never had yeah. anything lacking. And so to know that God, religion is me trying to fill that hole. Mm-hmm. Relationship is the new heart coming and bringing new life into my body and into my mind and into my emotions. I love how at, you know, at healing school, when we taught on righteousness, um, you know, the definition of righteousness is um, the instantaneous condition of the believer. The very moment that you were born again, instantaneous, you know, we are like translated from darkness to light. It's an instantaneous um, transformation of who, who we are on the inside because 
um, he became sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, you know, having understanding that and it takes faith, it really does. It's just a decision to believe that about ourselves and to continually believe that throughout our our life because we'll always come back to a place where the where there's guilt and there's condemnation and like you said I like how you said fear of punishment because I actually printed out the scripture today um in first John 4 uh 16 through 19 he says um and we have known and believed the love that God has path to us. And I like how it says known, because we're talking about knowing him and knowing his love for us, you know, known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. So dwelling in love, you know, and this is talking about God's love for us, (laughs) you know, out of that will come our love toward others. But this right right. here is talking about his love for us to dwell in his love. What does that mean? That means to remain there, to stay there. And how do you do that? Because you're making a decision by faith. I am righteous because the thing that, and I'll I'll continue to read on to 17 through through, uh, 18 and 18, but the thing the big thing that tries to separate us from this relationship that we're talking about is condemnation, fear of punishment. You know, the enemy always trying to say, you know, and bring religion back into it. Like Timo was saying, you know, um, you did this. So therefore you, you're, you know, that it brings that separation between you and God and you feel like he's far away again, but he said, (laughs) The darkness is not dark to me, (laughs) you know? So he says um, in verse 17, herein is love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Boldness. (laughs) How can you have boldness if you believe that you're full of sin and you're, you're afraid and you're full of fear? But he said, this is love. This is love that's been made perfect. This is dwelling and staying and remaining in his love, knowing his love for you and staying in that place. And when the lies that the enemy brings to you that says, well, you did this and you did that. And so therefore God's God's not with you anymore or he's far away. We have to come back and say, no, that's not true. He loves me. I'm dwelling and staying and remaining in this place of love. How? By believing, he says, he, we have known and believed the love that God has to us. So remaining in that place of, I know he loves me no matter what I've done. My righteousness could never be good enough, but I am righteous. It was instantaneous the moment I was born again, and I remain righteous. And guys, you know, a lot of the church doesn't even believe this. They may ascend to it mentally, but they don't walk in it. They don't live this way. And so that's why it's almost radical thinking. You know, now in our world, of course, we do. But even even in our even in our, you know, circles, sometimes this people will mentally ascend, but they don't really live it out. And walk it out where the rubber meets the road when it's time to say to yourself, 
I'm righteous no matter how everybody else is looking at me, no matter who's judging me. I, I, I repent, Lord. What I did was wrong. And I trust that you love me and that you're still here with in verse 18. He says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear because fear has torment. You know, anytime you start feeling that, that separation and that, um, that it's condemnation, it's fear. It, it's all rooted from fear. It's fear of punishment. It says he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, I looked up that word perfect and it'll kind of throw you off because it makes you think that um, it, it does mean perfect, but it, in another sense, I looked it up, it means established, settled. Hmm. So when you read it, let's read it that way. When you read it that way, it brings a whole new perspective and understanding. And it says, there is no fear in love, but established, settled love casts out or drives out fear because fear has torment. He that has been established and settled in love has no fear. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So it brings in a note hold and, and it means you're established and settled in his love for you. Nothing is going to separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing, you know, and knowing that and staying in that place. And as you could, as you start to do this, it may be tough at first, but as you continue and you press on and you say, I believe your word more than I believe people's judgment and accusations and more than I believe even my own heart that's condemning me. I believe you and your word more. And as you do, it will be stronger and stronger and it will, it'll, it'll start to be like second nature. And you'll yeah. just live in this place of peace where you know he loves me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just want to add to that. John chapter 15, again, verse nine says this. He says, as the father has loved me, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. You have permission to remain in his love, to abide in it, to make it your dwelling place. You know, sometimes we're, we're afraid of speaking of God's love because we think it might give us a, a, you know, a permission to do, you know, the wildest of things. And Jesus is saying, no, no, you stay in my love. Be conscious that just as the father has loved me. Now imagine that the father, the, 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 that the love that the father has for Jesus, it's that same love that Jesus has for us. It's that same love that has then been, you know, poured out into our hearts yeah. by the Holy Spirit. And it's that same love, like, like Jenny mentioned in John chapter four, that we can know and believe. And, and, and I, I want to, I love what you were talking about when you're talking about mental ascent. This is not mental ascent. This is not knowledge as in the sense of knowing that two plus two equals four. This is experiential, intimate knowledge. The, when the, whenever the Bible speaks of knowing in, in the Hebrew, it's always this intimate knowledge. It's, it's not just something you read and, and just memorize. It has to become part of who you are, part of what you live. And so how, how do we do this? You know, one of the things that I, I would want to say is this, if you want to know and experientially know the love of God, I, I, 
and I know Jenny's taught on this before in, in the, on the podcast, I would encourage you meditate on yeah. the scriptures, make it your daily bread, make it something that, you know, it's not just something you do out of real religious, you know, reading, you know, but really actually take it in, digest it. Uh, when you have some time, you know, whether it's on your commute to work, whether it's, you know, going to the grocery store, wherever you are, ponder, meditate, think, speak it out, pray it out. God, what are you saying to me? Are you really telling, telling me that you love me as much as you love Jesus? I, you know, get into it. Put your name on that scripture and say, God, you love Timo as much as you love Jesus. You know, oh, Jesus, you love Timo as much as you love your own father. And, and so I, I want to encourage you guys, abide in that love, remain in it. Yeah. There's, you don't, you don't need any, you know, any other permission. Jesus gave you that permission. Just abide in it, remain in it. Man, I love it so much. And I want to, I want to read this scripture and it kind of goes along the lines of what we were talking about, but, uh, second Corinthians three, seven, and I'll give you guys a chance. I'm going to ask you a question afterwards. Um, but it's in verse seven, uh, second Corinthians three, verse seven, it says, but if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. In verse eight, how will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious? In verse nine, for if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. In verse 11, for if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. And so even he's saying, even the law, even that, that tablet that had those commandments and told us what we should and shouldn't do that in and of itself had glory. Why did it have glory? Because it was still pointing to your identity. You're not a murderer. You're not a thief. You honor your parents. This is who you are. You don't have the ability to live up to that in your own strength, but there's still glory in it because it's pointing in the direction of who you were created to be. And he's saying that glory was passing away. I gave you a glimpse at your identity. I showed you who you could be, but the glory that remains is who I've made you to be. I'm no longer trying to get you to become this. Now I've made you this, and this is who you are. And that's the glory that remains. That's the abiding glory that lives on the inside of us. And that's abiding in the love, abiding in the acceptance of God, abiding in his grace, abiding in his mercy, abiding in his compassion, abiding in his glory, which that glory, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but that when Moses says, show me your glory, he's saying, show me your character, show me your essence. And so what remains in us, the glory that we got a glimpse of God when Jesus was on the earth, but whenever he went to the father and the Holy Spirit came, now that glory we got a glimpse of now resides in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the confident expectation that the character of God is not just passing by you where you need to touch the hem of his garment, but now you're connected to him. <laughs> Second Corinthians, I believe, or maybe it's first Corinthians six seventeen. the same, uh, those that have given themselves to the Lord have become one spirit with him. 
one spirit. So now I'm connected. Not only am I abiding mentally, but spiritually, I am connected to him at all times. And that means that that's a continual experience every single day. And like Timo was saying, meditation is going to be one of the best tools that you can have. And I wanted to ask you guys, you know, whenever we get into this place where we're feeling maybe some condemnation, or we're feeling like God is far away. How do I get out of that? How do I snap out of it? Because we've all had it, that weightiness of like, God, I, I, I don't even, I know you're here, but I don't even want to look at you. I don't even want to approach you right now because I can feel that what I've done has maybe been wrong. How do I snap out of that and get back into that communion with the Lord? And I'll open that up to, to either of you guys. Uh, we've meditated, you know, as healing technicians, we've learned to meditate the word, you know, but, yeah. but um, having that as your fallback, I mean, it, it's what I do. The minute I begin to feel that separation or, or it, it usually, you know, you can, you can identify it immediately because it comes with kind of like a yuck yeah. on the inside, you know, which is, which is a fear, you know, like the, the scripture in first John said, it's fear of torment, fear of punishment. And um, when you begin to feel, feel that way, I just start saying, thank you, father, that you love me. I know that you love me, you know, and just, just speaking the word that whatever, whatever I know about his love for me and remembering the things that he did for me, you know, if it's something that I've done wrong, immediately repent yeah. and just start reminding myself that yeah. he loves me, yeah. you know? And so really it's as simple as that. And you can literally sense the atmosphere change, but everything within me changes as well, yeah. you know, yeah. and even speaking in tongues. But for me, it's more because, you know, it says speaking in tongues will edify you, edifies your spirit. But even more so than that, it's saying, you love me, <laughs> you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, you would give your only son for me, you yeah. know, just whatever you, whatever scriptures that come to mind, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Just saying those and, and really attaching your faith and connecting with that. It's not just, you know, a rattling off of words. That's not what meditation is, but it's a, um, you know, uh, uh, believing he, if, if he said this, this is for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's for me. It's for me. Yeah. This is real. This <laughs> is, he's saying this to me, yeah. you know? And That's so, so good. Yeah. Um, I love what you're saying, Jenny. Uh, one, one of the ways I, I like to talk about meditation is, is to, to look at it as if you're pray reading the scriptures. <laughs> I love it. You're reading <laughs> The scriptures until the Holy Spirit starts revealing something about scripture and then you're praying it back to him. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I encourage you guys do this on a day to day basis so that when you are in those moments where we feel like we're unworthy, we can't do this anymore. You know, God doesn't love me. And you feel that yuck, like Jenny yeah. says, that you know how to get to that place again. Yeah. And, and one of the things I, I, I would also say this is um, you, you've got, you've got people, you've got Mary and Martha and, and Martha is busy serving. In the meantime, the son of God 
Jesus, God in the flesh, is in the house and he's teaching. So what does Mary do? Mary sits at his feet feet, and listens to his word. Mm. We're so busy sometimes serving, serving even God or people that we sometimes don't take the time to sit down at Jesus' feet and hear what he's got to say to us. And I encourage everyone to make sure that you don't miss the son of God in your house. Mm -hmm. Take the time to sit at his feet. And once you sit at his feet and hear his words over you, you can abide in that love. You can abide in who he says you are. Right. You know, it's so funny. Martha complains to Jesus. Don't you care, Jesus? She's accusing him. Mary's not thinking of Martha. Mary's not thinking of anybody else. All she's thinking of is Jesus. She's at his feet and she's not looking at herself. No, no, no. She's looking to Jesus. She's right there at his feet and listening to his words. And you so many times condemnation and shame is a result of listening to other voices and especially our own voices sometimes in our minds. And it's at that place that we must take that time, sit at his feet. You'll have those voices come to you. You know, you're unworthy. You've done this last night. That's a lie. Stay five more minutes at his feet until all of those voices are drawn out and you can receive and know his love. Yeah. And I think too, that there's times whenever, if we do feel that condemnation or that yuck, you know, what we'll want to do is want to be like Martha, where we can serve and we can prove like, oh, wait, I belong again. Like, I do love you, God. I I didn't mean to do this. Let me show you how much I didn't mean to do this. Mm -hmm. And just a little trick. I have to be honest with you guys. I always mixed up Martha and Mary. And so I just always associated Martha with Martha Stewart. And she's a homemaker, like someone who does the work. And so that just helped me mentally be like, oh, wait, Martha Stewart, she did the home stuff. Okay, I got it now. So just just a little, that's a free trick to all you guys out there. But yeah, that's a free one. But, you know, what it, what it is, is that, you know, there's times that that happens, you know, when we're feeling like God's far away, it's like, okay, God, let me prove something to you now. Let me show you that what you did wasn't a mistake. And maybe we don't say that out loud. Or maybe that doesn't even enter our thought process all the time. But subconsciously, if we're not abiding in that love, it's still there. And we still think, okay, I've got to earn it. Let me find a way to get back into good graces with you. Instead of what Jenny was really talking about was that righteousness, instantaneous position. When I said yes to Jesus, he had already said yes to me. That was a free gift. I was made righteous in right standing. That happened right away, immediately. And so I'm, that's where I am established. So if I act separate from that, that doesn't take away from the fact that that's who I am. That's my identity. Making a mistake doesn't change your identity. But what it will do is it will, who you are will help you be quick to repent. And quick to get back into the position that you've always belonged. And so I wanted to to ask you guys just to kind of end things out, you know, what is repentance and how does it look? So someone saying, okay, be quick to repent. That sounds great. But what does that, what does that really mean? Well, I mean, repentance literally means to turn around. Yeah. No, I mean, that's what it means. It means to turn around. So what does that look like? If you're going in one direction, 
you're going to have to turn the steering wheel and make a U-turn and go in the opposite direction, you know, and that take make that takes a decision on your part. And you know what? I've told people ministering to people many times over the years. Um, and, and I would see where they would continually repeat the same things over and over and, and continually go back to that sin that they so seemed that, that they wanted to be rid of. And they really, their desire really was to, you know, to follow God and to have that relationship, to stay in that close relationship with him, you know, on their part, um, stay in that relationship. But yet um, they just kept going back to it. And the Lord told me something. He said, you know, the, the, the will, uh, the will of a human being and the cho- their choice, the power of choice is very powerful. He said, because when they change their will, and this is what repentance is, changing your will. When you change your will, you give God something that he can work with. Mm-hmm. Because then you've relinquished control to the one who loves you. And now you, you've turned around, you made a decision. I'm not going back in that direction again. I remember in my life, and I shared on our, one of our last podcasts, when I made that decision, I don't mm-hmm. want to live like this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't. It was it. it was, I was done. I was finished. I don't want to live like this anymore. And it was a turning around, making that U-turn and going in the opposite direction and having to lay it all out and say, uh, take over, Lord, take the reins. I'm going to go where you say, and, you know, go where you lead. So, Yeah. Yeah. Repentance, repentance, like, like Jenny says, is this complete 180 turnaround. It's a decision of the will to say, I'm not going that direction anymore. I'm going into the opposite direction and repentance in the, in, cause repentance is also a word that was used in, in, in other types of literature, but in, in scripture, it's obviously saying I'm repenting from the ways of the world, from the flesh, from sin, and I'm turning to God. And so there has to be this conscious decision of not just, I'm sorry about my sin, which is important, and we have, there's even scriptures who talk about repentance with godly sorrow. So sometimes repentance will be accompanied by sorrow, but it's, it's more than just that. It's a turning towards God. And so while previously you were sowing, like Galatians 6 says, to the flesh, for instance, now your repentance has to lead you to sow to the spirit. And and so there is this idea of taking a decision of, okay, I am not going to be living. I'm not going to be patterning my life the way that I've patterned it before. You know, I I, I love what Galatians 6 says here. It says, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. We've all experienced that to some degree or another. Whenever we're sowing these seeds of, of everything that is flesh, you know what flesh is, you know, everything that is the old man, uh, everything that is sinful, everything that is before we knew Jesus. If we sow to that, we're going to reap negative consequences. We're going to have a harvest of corruption, it says here. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And so 
there is not a time where you don't have the opportunity to, to change what you're sowing into your life. What are you sowing? What are you, what are, uh, you know, you patterning your, your life after? What are the habits that you are uh, partaking of? What are the things that you are dwelling on? What are the things that you're letting in? Uh, and so you have to realize that all these little things that seem insignificant at the end are seed that are going to produce a harvest. And so repentance will eventually lead you to start sowing different things into your life. And then he says this, verse nine, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Hmm. We use this for many other contexts, but the context here is sowing to the spirit. He's talking about character. If you keep on sowing to the spirit, if you keep on doing good, if you keep on living the way God has called you to live, you will reap in due season. You will become a different kind of person in a sense. Yes, you are righteous, but you will actually live like it. You will actually experientially become the image of Christ. That's awesome. And, you know, that reminds me of, you know, how David said in Psalm 119, he said, your word have I hid in my heart so that I won't sin against you. You know, look at the heart there. Look at his intentions. You know, I don't want to sin against you. So what am I going to do? I'm actively, you're actively pursuing me. I'm not going to actively pursue you. I'm going to put your word in my heart because that is what is going to cause me not to sin against you. You know, I mean, it's a simple recipe, (laughs) you know, it's awesome. But, you know, obedience is easy, guys, when we have a heart of humility toward Mm -hmm. the Lord, like David did. It's easy. It shouldn't be hard. You know, living in this place of contentment in Christ should be the norm for all believers. It should be. It's supposed to be. We were never supposed to live in fear and fear of punishment and torment. It was never God's plan for us. But because we, we trust him, because we actively pursue him by putting his word in our hearts, meditating his word, and it's not works. It's a way that we're developing that relationship and we're keeping that relationship kindled like we would a, 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 a marriage husband and wife who don't continually uh, tend to their relationship, you, you see them fall apart or separate and there becomes a great divide between yeah. them. And it's not God. He never moves. It's if, if that, if, you, if we ever feel that we can come back to ourselves and say, it was me. I'm the one who moved because it's yeah. never him. He doesn't yeah. move. He's yeah. always still right there. He's only a, millisecond away, (laughs) you know, and, you know, the word, keeping the word in our heart, but prayer is also a major part of our relationship with God, you know, spending time. And I'm not talking about religion, like Brandon Lake said, (laughs) you know, it's not a religion. Just talk to your father, like you are his kid, you know, taking religion out of it, just like we're talking right now, talk to him. He's real. Be real. You know, and this is like we started this off with. This is what our youth are looking for. You know, I love, 
in um, in uh, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, he says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding, um, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. You know, I love how he says, um, Jim Hockaday said, God wouldn't ask you to acknowledge him in all of your ways if he wasn't personally present in everything you do. <laughs> you know, he's personally present in everything we do. And he's right there. And out of that relationship and out of that realness with him, we're going to be, you know, I, I like how uh, I was telling you, Josh, before the podcast, how Joseph said to Potiphar's wife, because this is what's going to come out of that relationship. He, Joseph said to Potiphar's wife when she tempted him, and she was a beautiful woman, and he, you know, and she respected him, and she built him up and gave him compliments all the time. Well, she comes to him and tempts him with sexual immorality, and he says, "What is this thing?" that you would have me to do before my God. Yeah. yeah. That intimate relationship where Glory. I'm not going to yield to the flesh yeah. no. because he's more important. Yeah. People are more important. This is going to hurt somebody. And I don't want to hurt anybody else. And I don't want to hurt my God who loves me so much. Yeah. You know? I love Joseph's response to that too, because he didn't like pull out the scripture or like a scroll and be like, is this allowed in the, in the scripture? Like, am I, is it okay to do this? He knew eternally, internally because of his relationship with God, that this is not okay. This is not right. He didn't consider it and say, well, maybe no, he just, he got, he ran away immediately. It was his natural response to declare like what would you have me sin against my god this way and he got out of there it wasn't a thought process of is can i get away with it or not and sometimes that happens when we're still living under the law or we're living in religion we're still trying to find and gauge what's okay instead of just knowing with because we've had this encounter with god internally that this is not the character of my god this is not what I've been created to be. And he got out and he ran away. So when temptation comes, I think that we should not be doing, you know, we should be doing the same thing. We should be trying to run and flee from it instead of, is this okay? Can I get away with this? You know, you know and, and saying that I, I'm a mother of boys, yeah. all boys. Okay. So I can say this with confidence and no embarrassment whatsoever, yeah. but the word says there's nowhere in else in the word except when he says, if you are tempted with sexual immorality, he says, run, yeah. run. Why? Because he understands what that temptation is. And so this is for somebody today. Yeah. <laughs> run, the word yeah. says, yeah. run. <laughs> And that's something huge, you know, even with our youth, and I don't want to take any too much more time, but that's really being inundated with the youth is this sexual immorality and these images and everything being, you know, even my generation coming up, that was a constant presence and a constant pressure. And so nobody's immune to the pressure, but we do have the ability to respond in the way that Jenny was just saying, run get away from it. No matter what the temptation look like, looks like, no matter how it's coming from what device run, get away from it. Don't entertain it. Don't even consider it. Get away. Yeah. And it will save your life. 
it will save your marriage. It will save your life. It will save your future. And Jenny, I'll let you. And just, um, you know, uh, you mentioned teenage boys and it's such a, such a, um, demonic presence out there right now, you know, in this day, even more so than when I was a kid and when you were a kid, you know, yeah. and, um, and because of social, the, you know, the, the, you know, they have all the access at their fingertips. Yeah. And so, um, raising them, right. Keeping them in church, but, but showing them a relationship, your relationship with God as parents, show your kids your relationship with God, but also as youth ministers and as um, pastors, um, teach on relationship and not only teach, but, you know, the Lord's been prompting me in our, in our children's program is to um, allow him to create an atmosphere in every service where they can um, be aware of his presence. Because he, what he showed me when I was, he said, what, what the difference between you when you were a kid and some kids that you see now is that you were always aware of my presence. And that he said in, in church, um, he reminded me when I went to church that I would always go up to the altar. I'm born again. I'm going up to the altar yeah. for salvation calls, but I was being drawn to that, to his presence because they were always allowing him to move in the service, allowing him to manifest himself in one way or another, whether it be in prayer or whether it be in an altar call or whatever, but giving God time to move in that service and not just have an agenda to fulfill you know, and so as I feel like just a directive for parents and for ministers um, and friends, like you said, you want to be that for other people, you know, for us to take a responsibility, even when we're ministering to um, not just let it be all talk and the do's and the don'ts and, you know, what the word says and teaching and preaching, but allow God preach the words the word and signs will follow allow God to have time to manifest himself and to show himself uh, so that they're aware of his presence. Because when I tasted and seen of the goodness of God, even though I went away from him, I knew that there was nothing that compared to him because it was too late. I had already tasted and seen his goodness, you know? Yeah. So let's just pray for a minute, guys. Okay. Thank you, Father. Father, we just thank you for thank everyone you, who's watching, for everyone who's listening. Oh, we just want to reach out to, to the hearts that are listening right now. Just lift them up in the spirit. The very essence of love is God himself, and he lives and dwells in you. Love lives and dwells in you. Be an example of my love. 
allow my love to permeate throughout your very being that when people walk by, they see that you are different. They see that you are love, that they, they may not even understand what they are seeing or what they are sensing, but you are different. And that love is drawing people to you and it is drawing men to repentance. Yeah. That's your very feet. And, and, and I feel like I'm talking to teenagers right now. Again, <laughs> be different in your classroom. Be different in your lunchroom. Be the one. If no one else wants to be bold enough to stand up, I believe that we are living in a time for such a time as this that God wants to use you. He wants to use you and it will take a boldness of even hmm. being embarrassed and even feeling silly or, or, or fear of being rejected. But if you will step out, God says that they will not reject you, but they will flock to you yeah. because you have something that they need. They desperately mm. need what you have. And mm. that's Christ in you. The hope of glory. Hallelujah. As we were praying before, I just had the sense of the father calling some of us, uh, some, some people who are listening to come back home. Mm. Just this call of the father waiting as he was waiting for the prodigal son saying, come back home, come back home, come back home. Just this, this picture of, of, of prodigals living outside of their inheritance, living outside of the father's home, realizing that they're just missing out on the father's house and the father's presence and the father's goodness. And maybe you feel like you've gone too far and maybe you're wallowing in your shame and your own condemnation in the dirt of sin. And the father is beckoning you to come home. Mm. And as you're walking back, he's there waiting, ready to give you a new robe. Hmm. ready to give you a ring of authority, ready to kiss you and hug you and throw you a party. Oh, because you were dead and now you're alive. Hmm. So come back home, come back home, repent, turn around and come back home. He's waiting. He's waiting. And And from that, I see that even, you know, the brother, (laughs) <laughs> the brother who was already there, the brother of the prodigal son. He, I see that being the church. And when the prodigals come, I hear the prodigals are coming. The prodigals are coming. Yeah. So be ready. Be ready to accept them like the father did with open arms, wide open, not with judgment. We're excited because the prodigals are coming home. They're coming home. Isn't this what we've been praying for? We should be excited. And there's no judgment and there's no condemnation. We're accepting them and giving them grace and room to grow and to to be enveloped in the father's love. Yeah, that's so good. And guys, the the one thing about all of this, no matter where we find ourselves, all of us have a call to action today. 
whether it's to come back home or to accept those with open arms that are returning. All of us have a part to play. Be the one to reach out. Be the one to be when someone comes back. Don't be judging them. Don't be finding or fault in them. Open up your arms. Welcome them home because they're where they belong. And it's where we all belong, in the arms of Jesus, in the family of God. And so, guys, Jenny and Timo, I want to thank you so much for you guys joining us, taking the time. It, it was an amazing episode, and we're going to have to do it again. <laughs>